full stop. I'm a nice guy. I'm not saying that to brag or be too boastful, but that's the label I've always gotten. Right now, you're listening to the runner-up for Most Courteous Boy from Longview High School's class of 2000. I'll wait for the applause. What creates kind people? Is it nature or nurture? If you're a target, it's putting kitschy sayings on children's t-shirts. Whitney and I laugh about these shirts all the time that our girls end up wearing. Uh, you can go to their elementary school. They're all over the place. Uh, no lie, I just Googled Target shirts, kind sayings. And there is a boy shirt that says, it's cool to be kind. And there's also a girl shirt that says, be kind to all kinds. So much so much of a nicer generation <laughs> when, than when I grew up. Uh, of course, you can debate about nature versus nurture. But I feel like I can trace a lot of my personal tendencies to being raised in the Southern Baptist Church. Though I don't affiliate with Baptists anymore, I credit religion for instilling a lot of good things in my life. Service, humbleness, doing things for the greater good, loving others for who they are. I can go on and on, but as I've looked back at my time growing up in the Bible Belt, I know that a lot of the decisions I made were based on guilt and fear. Now, I didn't quite grow up listening to the fire and brimstone preaching that lines the background of today's movie X, but amongst the gore and creepiness of this film, director Ty West challenges the way we view or have been taught to view sex, female repression, and generational condemnation. Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler, and today we are focusing on the 2022 horror film X. Hey everybody, as always, thanks for joining in on the conversation. Man, there seemed to be a lot of baggage wrapped up into that intro. I apologize, but that's what makes X worth talking about. Don't get me wrong, it is a true horror film. There's plenty of blood and guts if you're into that. But it also gives you a whole lot to think about, which I like to find in any film, no matter the genre. For this movie, I had to bring in my friend Brad McLelland. First off, Brad is our very first published author on this podcast. So cool. Uh, Brad was born and raised in Arkansas, and he spent several years working as a crime journalist in the South. In 2011, he obtained his MFA in creative writing from Oklahoma State University, where he met his writing partner, Lewis. A fan of scary movies and jigsaw puzzles, Brad lives in Oklahoma with his wife, stepdaughter, a chubby cat who thinks she's human, and a blind kitty named Ophelia, who is more popular on Twitter than he is. He is also the co-author of the Legends of the Lost Causes series. Uh, let me tell you all, it's an amazing YA series that your kids will love, also adults as well. Uh, it mixes the Western genre with zombies. Uh, if you think of something like the Goonies, that'll give you an idea of this book. Check it out. You guys need to go get it. I'm also excited because he has a new book coming out with his writing partner, The Crooked Door. It's coming out on April 11th, 2023. At the end of this podcast, Brad will tell you a little bit more about that book. Very cool stuff. So X follows a young, ambitious group of filmmakers in 1979 who set off to make a low-budget porn in south rural Texas. They decide to rent some property from a very reclusive but aggressive elderly couple without telling them about their intentions. What unfolds involves gators, pitchforks, and even slow dances. Ty West's technique is a throwback to the style of the 70s horror that will make you automatically think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This movie was released before the current state of rising gas prices and depression of women's rights, but I believe that West was ahead of the curve in telling us that we have gone backwards as a society, not forward. The themes in this movie are downright chilling as you feel the blistering humidity of the South Texas atmosphere. X provides plenty of gruesome moments that horror films will feast on, but also provides plenty of intellectual questions about how America views sexuality and femininity. Let's jump into our discussion with Brad. X is one of those films that the less you know about it, the better the experience. So if you don't want to be spoiled, hop into your Volkswagen van and skate back to your big old city life because you aren't welcome here. Well, hey, Brad, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited. It's been been a minute since we've connected in person, for sure. Uh, we always keep the text threads going with latest yeah, things that we were watching we and and Ozark spoilers and all, all the good stuff. And so, <laughs> uh, but multitude of reasons why I want to talk to you about this movie. Uh, before we go straight into the movie, though, part of the reason is because I know 
you love horror movies, scary movies. And so I thought you could enlighten us on like, why, why do you like the genre so much? Oh man. Why is water wet? I guess that you should say that. (laughs) Um, why, man, why do I love horror? You know, when I, when I actually get asked this question as an author, because I write, you know, basically spooky middle grade, you know, spooky books for kids. Uh, so when, when people ask me that question in an official capacity, I always go back to my mom and I say, well, I, my mom is responsible for my love for horror because that that's actually true. She, she, I, I don't think she actually grew up, you know, in a, in a family that embraced spooky stuff, I, you know, but she was in a really large family. Um, she's one of 15 kids. And so I know that um, they didn't have, you know, books lying around or, and she wasn't reading scary stuff when she was a kid, but they did tell lots of scary stories. And mom would talk about like the ghost stories that they would tell as a family and with her sisters. And, you know, so there were, there's a lot of nostalgia for mom with like spooky atmosphere, you know, growing up in South Arkansas where she did. And that carried over into my childhood. Um, I specifically remember many, many nights when we would be driving to see my dad because he he had a night shift job and we would be taking him like a late dinner and telling each other ghost stories in the car, you know, (laughs) and we would we would lie out on um, and look at the stars on our trampoline. We lived out in North Louisiana at the time and we would just like tell spooky things to like, you know, it sounds weird that uh, a mother and her son would do that, but that's kind of how we passed the time, (laughs) especially when it was just the two of us. And my dad being, you know, working graveyard shifts the way he did. So I really grew up with a mom who embraced telling ghost stories to her son. And and I would tell ghost stories to her, Um, you know, and then she allowed me to um, sort of chase my imagination with books. So I started reading spooky books really early, you know, authors like Robert Arthur, who wrote The Three Investigators, The Secret of Terror Castle. You know, those books like that, those kind of like creepy Alfred Hitchcock mysteries um, with that weird little like edge to them that middle graders just eat up, um, which is what I'm sort of trying to emulate now as an author. That was the kind of stuff that I read. And then I remember in the early 80s, you know, I mean, in 1980, I was five. Um, but, But dipping into my, you know, elementary school years, I remember when the VCR was invented, you know. And I remember we would, we lived in a small town and we would go to the brand new store that was a video store and they had the VHS tapes there and the old player that was in its own little like hard case. And you could rent that. You could rent the player, you could rent the VHS tape. And I remember that was my first foray into horror movies other than maybe seeing like something a little bit creepy on TV, for example. But going to the video store, the brand new video store was where I first saw the packaging for Children of the Corn, for example, Um, (laughs) and Frogs. You remember Frogs, right? Like the old (laughs) the old VHS of like the giant frog with the hand sticking out of its mouth. I I don't know if I remember that one. I the ones that are imprinted in my head and I think especially uh, uh, people around our age, I mean, VHS covers were so, um, so colorful and vivid. And especially at that age that we were around that time, I think that's why, I mean, there's horror movies that I haven't ever seen before, but just seeing the cover like critters yeah. for sure. And yes, I think it's yeah, ghoulies, ghoulies, that cover of the little green <laughs> coming, out of the, coming out of the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen those movies actually, yeah. but I still vividly remember those, uh, those movies. I think that in, the intrigue is always there. Cause I would remember, uh, kids talking yeah. about, uh, it or, uh, uh, pet cemetery. And I think mm-hmm. the combination of those kids that you knew saw movies, uh, way before they were supposed to with the like visualization of going into the store and those covers, I, you know, it, I don't know. Yeah. Those those images just stick in my head, but yeah, they do. They really they they stick in your head, and that's why that's why I think Duffer Brothers hits the nail on the head with like with Stranger Things because they understand that type of nostalgia, uh, and Ty West does as well, which I know we're going to talk about him. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I I vividly remember 
being drawn to the horror aisle when mom would be maybe over an adventure or my sister or something would want, you know, the next, you know, romancing the stone movie or whatever it was. Um, I would always drift over to horror and just look at those titles. And I remember the first time I ever saw the hand holding the sickle on the, you know, the, the children of the corn VHS, or um, I remember silent night, deadly night. You remember that one, the, the Santa Claus coming out of the, out of the chimney, holding the, the bloody ax. Like yeah. I was enthralled by that stuff. And I think even when I was like seven or eight, I was like, I have a future with horror. I think I'm going to love this genre. There's just something that captivated me about it. And I do remember the first time we actually brought home children of the corn to watch. I, Nathan, I was mortified, utterly terrified <laughs> by that movie. Oh my gosh. You know, you, you, I look back at those days now and just giggle and laugh at, at how terrified I was of that. But I, it just got seared into my brain, you know? And of course, Halloween, when I, when I first saw Michael Myers face, you know, in the dark, that just boom, it just like distilled in my head. And never left. And so th those olden days of horror back when VHS tapes were brand new, man, those were the sweet days for me. I really love those days. <laughs> yeah, that and that's a good transition into this movie for sure, because it yeah. although it's set in 1979, a little bit before that you can air that we're talking about, but definitely this type of movie, I mean, uh, it, and I don't think he's shy about it. I haven't really dived in a whole lot. Uh, into interviews uh, with him uh, about this movie and stuff like that. But I mean, the odes to Texas Chainsaw Massacre are just all over the place. And I, I think this, oh, he, he's yeah. expressed this as uh, a film that's partially uh, like a love for the filmmaking uh, process and that sort of thing. But what were the connections mm -hmm. that you saw? Um, now, I also want to say he, uh, <laughs> after it was over, I thought to myself, you know, this is, one thing I kind of liked about it, he's not being subtle with what he's trying to express uh, through this movie. <laughs> so, I mean, he's pretty, <laughs> right. you know, forward facing <laughs> with like the themes he wants to get across. Uh, but uh, yeah. So what, like in particular, what did you see that like connected to this almost uh, throwback uh, of a horror film? There are some very specific references to horror movies in there. Like um, when the, the, um, the camera guy at night, he goes to take a shower when that, when that character, um, you know, takes a shower at night and then he steps out and, and his fate is revealed. That's very much sort of like, sort of like a nod to psycho, you know, with the shower and then the, the death. And I, I think that, you know, there's even like, there might even be subtle references to the shining in there with the ax coming through mm -hmm. the door. Um, oh, for sure. I think there are little winks and nods to a lot of, you know, horror movies. Um, this movie, it felt like just a pure and simple love letter to, to the, to splatter, you know, to, to the horror genre, um, particularly the slasher genre. There's so much to it. Um, there's so many illusions and it, like you said, it, it doesn't, you know, try to hide any of its subtext. Uh, the subtext is kind of, it's a little bit louder than I think Ty West's, you know, older movies that I think were attempting a little bit more subtlety. Maybe this one is just in your face. It it's like, I'm going to show you this. You're going to probably grasp the themes right away. Uh, yeah, it's going to, you know, it's going to shock you, but I'm still going to like scare you. And it's going to be a very slow boil kind of scares you know, at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, because I just don't, I wish I had all the time in the world to watch every type of movie. I, I like horror movies, but um, I also am not afraid to admit that I'm a scaredy cat. So <laughs> I, it takes, I, it takes me, I kind of have to talk myself into them, but also any kind of movie, but especially with horror movies, I, I like when they make you think. And I heard about yeah. this movie when it came out, you know, I had a, I had a little buzz around it and everything like that. So mm -hmm. it was always on kind of my wish list. Uh, to watch. And so that's one thing that I, I really liked about it because it probably checks off all the boxes for like a pure horror fan as far as the kills and that sort of thing. But I loved the, um, the questions uh, that he poses uh, with the characters, um, you know, especially 
um, growing up in the South and how much a religion plays a part, yes. regardless if you went to church or not, uh, the atmosphere uh, that you're surrounded by and how mm-hmm. that um, how that informs how you grow up and how you're influenced yeah. in life. Um, I love the things that he hit on as far as um, generational, uh, not just generational differences, but um, generational, uh, <laughs> oh, this generation is ruining this world type of thing. This is how you should act. This is how you, you know, uh, and yep. so I like, yeah, I exactly, like that. Exactly. The generational stuff was there. Like, um, like, for example, it almost feels like the kind of movie that Ty West is like, okay, if I had been a filmmaker in the seventies, you know, I'm, I'm going to show you the path into the eighties and I'm going to show you how films are going to progress and evolve. Like by, for for example, by having the men die first in the movie, I thought that was really interesting and sort of a nod to, to the sort of the subversive quality that he was like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to show you some really interesting things. And we're going to talk about horror but I'm going to twist some things at the same time. And having the men die first was, was, was one of those clues. The, yeah. the whole idea uh, t- of the final girl was there, but it, it was also a twist on the final girl, you know? I mean, because the final girl in, in horror tends to be this virginal woman who sacrificed her own sexuality for purity so that she could survive. You know, that's sort of the whole concept of the final girl. But here <laughs> we have it, you know, thrown on its head with a porn star surviving, you yeah. know, and just this whole concept of desire and youth and the loss of both of those things playing into this sort of like weirdly cold religious, you know, undertone was very, very morbid and, and felt very real. Uh, and that's why I think the fear in the movie works really well. It it just all kind of like forces you to sort of analyze, oh my gosh, you know, this this yeah. is where this is going and it's really creepy. I, I've always loved uh, 70s culture, uh, films, music. I always feel like yeah. that's, even though I didn't grow up in that decade, I always thought that was- So that's like why we're friends. Best- you like 70s stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've always thought it was just culturally the best, uh, just what what was being created during that time, um, yeah. especially with movies and that sort of thing. And I think it's interesting. Um, this was obviously made uh, before the things that are going on in our world now, but I've even heard, especially with uh, inflation going on right now and the rising gas prices, there's been a lot of allusions uh, to the seventies. Like every, mm. and especially I think with um, especially with w- women's rights right now, um, w- the laws that are being passed. Um, I, I don't yeah. think it's um, unfair to say that a lot of people felt like we've been sl- slipping into the past so to speak. And so that's how, I, why I kind of connected with this film of like some of the things that it's talking about as far as, uh, sexual liberation, religious, uh, liberation and what the older generation is willing to do to mm-hmm. stamp that out. Yes. Even though that might mean seclusion for them. Um, and so that yeah. might be reading too much into it, but no, I, and um, I don't, and that's why I think you were right when you said that Ty West isn't really hiding anything here. I, I think that that's kind of the point, right? I mean, one of the very first shots of the show of the movie is, isn't it the black, the old granny black and white TV show in the televangelist? It, yeah. Yeah. You from know, the get go. Uh, interesting thing about this movie is that right from the get go, it lays out the scene of what you're going to see. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I liked how it immediately said 24 hours earlier then, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like the concept of like, Hey, we're just like not quite real time, but I like that aspect of this movie. Yeah, The framing was great. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that whole, you know, female empowerment being, you know, the, that that whole concept being at play um, and just sort of being a part of the villains motivations as well, you know, because you have this old woman Pearl who's very reminiscent of, you know, the old dead woman in the bathtub in the shining, only she's right. walking around her farm at night and weird, you know, with her, her wild hair just fanning around in the moonlight. It's just so nightmarish. But she is a human woman, 
and she's sexual and she's not allowed to be sexual. She can't be sexual anymore because of her age and insert that, you know, conflict into this idea of like ultra religion and being suddenly thrust into this like situation where you have a bunch of young people making a, a, a porno in your barn, you know, it's, it's just such a, such a vivid concept. The whole thing is just so vivid and, and so alive. And, and it just, I think it really does in a really interesting way, speak to a lot of like modern day, um, how we do slip into the past and how we think about the past, but how the past can really, really hurt us and damage us if we allow it to take hold. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, vivid is a perfect word to describe this movie because oh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, things I really liked about it because the, there are things <laughs> and images that will for sure stick with you. But uh, Ty West, and I'm not, <laughs> yes. I'm not super familiar with his prior work, but I was really impressed. I love the slow build of it. Um, it's not yeah. a spoiler at all yeah. to say that somebody dies in this movie. That doesn't happen until the <laughs> hour mark. And this movie is just a little bit over 90 minutes. So I love that buildup. Um, yeah. I thought for a horror movie, mm-hmm. it built the characters really well, which um, a lot of horror movies are, you know, they don't do that all the time. They might focus on just the main character, but I thought all the sub characters here had their own little arcs as well. And, um, and yeah. also his, uh, just the visual camera shots that he did, it, you know, odes to that genre of film for sure. Just the kind of wide shots that kind of zoom and pan in slowly uh, and the overhead shots. Um, so I was really impressed by the construction of it all. And I love movies and uh, small settings. Uh, you know, we're just there, Yeah. you know, yeah. so you're just, and he did really good at, um, yeah aligning everybody. So you always knew where everybody was within the space and the time and mm-hmm. of everything. And I thought he did that really well in a, a really pretty tight film. It's, it doesn't feel long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, ultimately, you know, there's a, I think the ax was at the, uh, leaning up against the front door, um, frame. So, you know, he plays some things, (laughs) they go into the attic, uh, not the attic, sorry, the basement. And, you know, you know, something's, there's something's going to happen there. So he does a good job. I think maybe horror fans, maybe they get a little antsy if there's not a kill, like within the first 30 minutes, but because you know that those things are coming, I think it lets you relax a little bit more into the story. And so that helped you buy into the characters a little bit more. Yeah. And, and therein lies the reason why it's an A24 film, I think. Um, oh, yeah. If you if you just see the caliber of, of horror movies that are coming out of that production company, it's astounding. If A24 is slapped onto the film, I mean, it doesn't make it a guarantee that it's a great film, but to me, it's almost, almost always worth watching. You're going to get something from it. Yeah. There's going to be something subversive about it or, or something... Uh, maybe timely or, or something shocking more, even more so than your standard horror film. You know, I, um, my family and I, we went to go see men the other day and that's another story for another podcast entirely. Um, Cause yeah. that is one crazy film, man. But um, that's another a 24 and you talk about, you know, a director's use of space limitations and, you know, um, methodical use of sh- of shadow and light um all of that stuff uh, these a24 films just do it so splendidly uh which is why i love that there's a, a production company that will allow a filmmaker to really you know stretch his or her legs like that um you know you can tell that ty west was has been building up for many years to make a movie like this where he had the backing of a you know a company that has a lot of respect um, that can get his film really out there. You know, I, I think House of the Devil and The Innkeepers were incredible films, but I don't think they made nearly the quite the impact that this one is, maybe. I may be wrong about that. The Innkeepers may have come out, you know, screaming out of the gate. I don't quite remember how that did with Box Office, but I do remember that they were very, you know, um, underappreciated films for what mm-hmm. they were. 
but now that a 24 is sort of like you know invested in these horror filmmakers like they are man we're just seeing some poetry on screen yeah uh, and you know and that's that, what i and, feel like x is kind of doing yeah and as someone like me who just doesn't see any horror movie that comes out uh you know, now seeing this because partially the buzz it generated, the A24 um, support. I mean, seeing it now, I haven't seen other Ty West uh, stuff before, but now I'm like, I'm, he's on my radar, so to speak, you know? And so I think yeah. that's oh, for, sure. for maybe, yeah. maybe more casual, you know, uh, horror fans like myself, you know, that's, uh, that's a good uh, kind of hook to get into his material and stuff. So um, was there... Yeah, the, the, uh, I, and I think he made a he made like a Jonestown type of movie, right? Called like the Sacrament or something like that. Um, oh, and I, I have know. not seen that, but apparently it's sort of a found footage. It's his version oh, okay. of a found footage horror film. Sounds incredible. I've not seen it, but I think it's very Jonestown, Jim Jones kind huh. of a story, sort of his take on a cult on a cult movie. Which I, you know, after watching X and having seen in you know uh, Innkeepers and House of the Devil, I I think he could he could probably rip and tear with the found footage genre. So I'm, I'm willing to see that pretty soon, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really know a whole lot of else that he's done. I know he's done some TV, right? Like didn't he direct an episode of uh, like the exorcist, the made for TV version of the exorcist. And I, I can't, I can't recall what, what all he's made, but I know he's been doing a lot. Yeah, uh, maybe um, in TV. I think he even he's even dipped into like Amazon with like Tales from the Loop. I think, like the, oh, okay. the sort of the more speculative fiction kind of thing. Okay. But yeah, he's he's very innovative. Yeah. Um. Was there was there anything that you didn't like like about the film, or that it kind of failed in your <laughs> we're, opinion? We're just heaping all kinds of praise on it, and I'm going to say, well. It, that's going to sound disingenuine because I really do love this movie. Um, yeah. There were a couple of things that like I didn't, I kind of scoffed at a little bit, not scoff is probably too strong a word, but what, what was it for you? You know, I mean, I do recall that there, and by the way, I should tell you the story about the day that I went to go see this. Um, I, I remember I, you, I, I think you texted a, us about it. It was like a day off or something, right? Yeah. It was a day off for me and I was in Tulsa and I was, I was out shopping for books like I normally do. I was over at Barnes and Noble and I was like, I think I'm going to go check out X and so I can have the upper hand on Nathan and all the guys. Um, <laughs> because you, usually it's like Ryan or somebody who's always seeing this mm -hmm. stuff first. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went to go see X. It was a matinee, um, very empty building. And please picture this. It's because it's so weird and funny. I walked in and there was one other lone man sitting there with his popcorn. I walk in with my popcorn. And then there was this older couple that came in a little late. And that was it. It literally felt like I was in like some some seedy porn theater. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, like, yeah. You just oh, like, you yeah. would be in a, like in the 1970s, there's nobody around, but like maybe one guy yeah. over in the corner. It felt so <laughs> odd to be watching a movie called X like that. You know, I should have yeah. gone at like 7 PM with a big crowd, but you know, yeah. I was an opportunist. So I was like, I'm going to go see it now yeah. at 12 PM in the afternoon, which was yeah. very weird. So when I, when I was watching it, uh, I think one of the things that kind of distracted me and made, made me kind of pull away from the narrative just a little bit was when I, th I think there was a little bit of discussion during the story about the, 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 the act itself of making the, the film that they wanted to make the farmer's daughter or whatever it was called. And yeah, it launched yeah. them into sort of this like pseudo philosophical discussion about porn and freedom and sexual freedom that kind of, I just kind of like turned off a little bit because I wanted to see Pearl yeah. and the, and the weird old guy again. I at that yeah, point yeah. I was really gearing up for the mayhem because the tone was set so perfectly. But then they yeah. were all just sort of nestled in this room, just talking for a while. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that may have been one of those moments in a book that I was like, I would have passed over for exposition, you know? Yeah. So yeah, if I could sure. fault the movie, it would be, you know, places like that, maybe where it felt a little exposition y or maybe a little heavy handed with the the overall theme. Yeah. And I think for a movie that for the most part um, generated surprises, 
And I don't mean that as in a way as um, kind of like a got you type of moment, but you, you could tell me whether or not you thought the whole gator thing worked or not. Uh, but I mean, that, that kill was a little kind of like, I was like, yeah. it was a little <laughs> on the nose. Um, but it was on the nose. And was, by the way, it was, did you know that it was um, foreshadowed? Um, because when Brittany Snow's character comes out of, I think the strip club at the beginning there, I think there's an oh. image of a, on of a woman getting her, her panties bitten by a gator. Oh, oh yeah. And it was okay. just sort of a, a weird little foreshadow. Okay. Yeah. Apparently no, I remember- all the deaths are foreshadowed in this movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I remember that. I remember that building, not exactly like, you know, uh, what was on it and stuff like that, but I, I didn't realize it was alluding to that, but, yeah. um, if you, yeah, there was a little you, wink to how she was going to die later. Yeah. I, I, I know you, um, have spent time in Arkansas and Louisiana. I don't know how much of Louisiana, but that South Texas, Houston, Beaumont area. I mean, I thought he, he captured the, I could just feel the humidity from this movie. Like it, <laughs> Yeah, it perfectly captured that, and even the the that Texas landscape of, I mean, it definitely the countryside looked like Texas, but you can easily. Some people might think it's a little crazy that wait, I thought we were in Texas. Why is there like a gator in that kind of swamp looking yeah. area? But those 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 <laughs> pockets of ponds really do exist they're there in that yeah. land in that area but yeah. um but yeah that was <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I guess i like it a little bit more knowing that it kind of alluded to that but that was the one especially the kill aspect of it that you know mm-hmm. you definitely saw <laughs> saw coming because i liked how yeah. they i liked oh, how yeah. they teased you definitely it see that coming i really like the shot of maxine when she's slowly getting out of the water and it was that aerial mm-hmm. shot and you just see that I don't know the difference between a gator yeah. and a croc, but anyway, the, the gator just slowly. <laughs> kind of, you. Yeah. I really liked that. And, uh, honestly, I'd almost been okay if, you know, th- that was left alone, but yeah, when Brittany snow yeah. is like, uh, inching her way, like closer to the edge, you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I know where this is headed, but. Oh, I was going to say that whole scene with Maxine when she was, uh, I think she was skinny dipping, right? It's like this whole movie yes. is like, we're going to it's it's almost like he wants to like rub it in your face that this is not a sexploitation movie. You know what I mean? It's like I'm I'm making something that's going to be tantalizing and, and it's going to have all the, the makings of a sexploitation 1970s exploitation movie. But, um, you know, just with with her in the water. Um, skinny dipping. But then the gator is coming after her. It was it was just such a weird moment when you felt like that i don't know that sense of panic arising in you i was surprised to see britney snow in this in this film and i i've always i haven't seen tons of stuff with her but we're big fans of pitch perfect in this house so it was uh when she popped up on the screen i was (laughs) like oh yeah yeah and then i also laughed kind of that scene you're talking about where they're all uh, sitting around. I think that's a moment where she sings the song. And I was like, Oh, of course they, they were going to utilize her vocal talents. And they forgotten about that. Uh, yeah. She was, uh, she was on hairspray live also, uh, the yeah, ABC special yeah. and she sings of that. So anyway, uh, I almost wondered if that scene existed just so, uh, she could sing <laughs> and, or Most, she agreed to yeah, do pr- it. Probably. So she could, yeah. So she could sing. So, um, <laughs> And she was really okay, well, funny in the movie too. I thought, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought. Um, I mean, she's the only face that I recognized, and so um, I feel like she uh, maybe stepped up the games of the other actors. I can't really speak a lot to what they did previously, but um, to me, I mean, she's not probably a household name. But I thought she probably brought a little more um, uh, credit to the film a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. So especially, yeah. I mean, I, 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 for me, I mean, I just listed the things I know her from, which is pitch perfect and hairspray. So definitely this role was, <laughs> you know, a different, different direction than I'm used to seeing her in. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I and same goes that, with Jenna Ortega, really. I think, you know, like having yeah. Jenna Ortega in this movie, do it kind of like it, it, the same thing. It's like, you just don't expect a, um, uh, an actress like that to be in a film like this, but it just works so perfectly. 
Um, so I think the cast was really pitch perfect. Kid Cudi, you know, is like, oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 1970s yeah. porn star. It was just yeah. really interesting choices for, for the cast. And I, I thought it worked off really well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So this is part of the podcast where I'm going to throw a couple questions your way, some things that I think of while watching the film. And so I'm just going to throw them okay. at you and see, see your responses. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Movie musings. Okay. I'm going to paint a scenario for you and then you let me know. So you're sleeping in your bed. It's the middle of the night. You hear a noise. Do you go check on that noise fully clothed or do you have you know, is it just your underwear? I just laughed at the, uh, how these guys decide to go check out danger, uh, in the middle of the night. But, uh, but you alluded it to, to it earlier, uh, jokingly, I, I thought that was a good twist on, you know, it's always the females that are vulnerable and half naked. And I liked uh, how yeah, in this movie, yeah. he, he kind of, he kind of twisted that this time. So, yeah. Oh, I know you have Wayne, the character Wayne, uh, this this director, you know, just walking out there in his tidy whities, you know, to investigate the barn. I'm like, uh, first of all, to answer your question, I would never walk out to investigate my my shed or my barn in my tidy whities. That would never happen. Second, I would never investigate some stranger's barn in my tidy whities for absolute certain. So uh, rest assured, I will be throwing a T-shirt and probably some shorts on. And my my sneakers, because we know what happens when you walk through a stranger's barn with no sneakers on, Nathan, because that was also in the movie. And that made me want to lurch some popcorn. I can tell you that much. Was that was that just there for the uh, cringe factor or I I, that was another moment. I mean, I know it was there to kind of play out the scene, but that was one I was kind of like, was that some kind of ode to anything or all I could think I, I have flashbacks. I, I don't know. Alone. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, and I had a flashback of uh, the brilliant use of the nail on the stair in a quiet place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When the pregnant wife is walking down the basement steps and she boom, yeah. right. Steps on the nail, right. When the monsters yeah. are in the house. Um, but I, I don't know if that was, you know, played to any specific effect that Ty West wanted other than the, make you want to lurch your popcorn because like yeah you know i i don't know maybe it was to like prepare you for the act of him about to to die i don't i don't really know why i mean the stepping on the nail thing was real was really there because it almost kind of cut the tension a little bit you know but yeah but then immediately it snapped back into place you know but anyway to answer your question no i'm going in full gear i'm putting on all my clothes, probably a helmet, <laughs> all that stuff. And that does happen yeah. in my house. You know, um, we'll, we'll hear a weird noise and I have to pop up. And, um, you know, m- most of the time I'm th- throwing on a shirt as quickly as I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good question though. Yeah, yeah no, uh, for sure. I just, I, I just, I just laughed at that. So, uh, yeah, don't they say, um, shouldn't, aren't you supposed to like always keep like shoes like by your bed in case there's like even a fire or something like that? Did I, am I making that up or, you know, probably you're probably, you know, supposed to, you know, have everything all prepared for when you need to hit the pavement or something. But you know what? 90% of the time I'm so not ready for that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not ready. Most of the time I probably won't even wake up to be honest. I, I don't know who you, what your role is and your relationship, but Mine is basically, you know, Whitney wakes me up and says, what's that? And I can, I can easily just downplay <laughs> any house noise. I'm always like, eh, it's a house. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. It's just Anything. the settling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the other one I had for you is, um, and maybe a little bit more serious, but I, w- I was wondering, uh, okay. what your, have you ever had any kind of experience with, uh, tele, uh, tele evangelism or, uh, any kind of oh. revival in the area that you've grown up in? Oh, this is such a heavy, heavy subject. Um, well, <laughs> truth told, yes. You know, I grew up in South Arkansas. I was born, born and raised in South Arkansas and I was, uh, we were, missionary Baptist for many, many years of my life until we were Southern Baptists for many years of my life until, you know, I went to college 
and um, basically saw the light and, and did my own thing um, in terms of religion. Yeah. But um, I, I have very specific, very vivid memories of revivals, of hearing those um, evangelists in the pulpit raining hellfire down from the pulpit, all of that stuff. I, I can see their, I can see their, um, their faces. You know, I, I know exactly what the audience looks like. I know what the, you know, the the church looks like. Yeah, um, all of that stuff was my youth. You know, we went to we went to, went to church pretty regularly. Um, we we even went on Wednesday nights, things like that. Um, you know, so we were there for a while. We were very religious, and we went to revivals. Um, and you would hear the Southern gospel being played. You know, you'd hear um, you'd hear sermons about the evils of of heavy metal and rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, I I experienced all of that, which is probably again why I'm such a horror fan today and writing spooky stuff <laughs> so that I can be a complete rebel and, you know, do my own thing and rebel against all the stuff I heard when I was a kid, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, very, very specific memories of revivals and evangelism. And, uh, therefore a little while I do, I remember even growing up hearing televangelists when we couldn't go to church on Sunday morning, um, I remember hearing televangelists playing on our TV because that was sort of our church, right? Like we're going to have church at home today because, you know, dad's sick or whatever, but we're going to, we're going to listen to the local or to, you know, whatever the televangelist brand was at the time. Um, you know, so I I will say luckily that is not the case with my family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, like, that that extreme i didn't i think like when i grew up in the church i went to you know that's when things kind of turned to a more uh, softer approach um i don't know what meeting occurred for them to be like hey maybe we're being a little bit you know <laughs> a little bit too loud <laughs> on this and so but the concept of revival and hey invite your friend to this like you know five nights five yeah. nights of church you know to, for the week. And, uh, I, I like the concept of, um, you know, that, that video or that's playing on the television the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's alluding to the fact that that maybe it wasn't necessarily playing, but that's like something that's always in the back of somebody's mind when, yeah. uh, when they put themselves into that world. Um, yes. But, and um, it is your life, you know, you're going to live and breathe it. You're going to feel it you're you're going to sense it 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 is your five senses to be religious you know uh in the bible belt especially back then uh in this time frame that the movie is set in so yeah i mean all that was that that's what made the movie really real and raw to me was just that feeling of familiarity and i know a lot of people in like urban areas or maybe you know someone who may have grown up in new york or you know north of the bible belt or whatever may not engage in the movie the same way but for me, I don't know. It feels like Ty West definitely knew that past. He he knew that sensation. It's it's almost like he lived it. You know, it's almost like he kind of grew up in the Bible Belt, going to those revivals, and just yeah, kind of it, you know get, getting that experience himself. You know, yeah, it makes me wonder. Um, I'll have to dig into. He probably didn't. What, yeah, he, he probably just did lots of great research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting to find out. But yeah, I was even, um, for a time I was driving uh, to downtown Oklahoma city and when traffic was b- bad on I 35, I'd take a back route and there was a tent that was up like a, you know, pure t- tent and it was advertising a revival that you would see ever so often. And I always was yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that yeah, still happens. Something. But yeah, I guess, sure. I guess it still does. Now, this past winter, um, okay, so, I read Stephen King's revival, his novel called Revival, which um, really kind of plays with that whole notion of of an evangelist in a revival setting and whatnot. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my last question, a little bit more less serious. Did it bother you that when they were showing the farmer's daughter, that it was edited pieces of the film, like actual <laughs> scenes? I was just like, so did someone decide that this was going to be a good? Uh, film to put together I, I for some reason that part of the movie really threw me off not th- not them cutting to the uh moments 
like, but there, there's a specific moment in the film where they actually show a cut interaction between the, the dialogue between everybody. And that really bothered me for whatever reason. I don't know why I just was like, yeah, it, it felt a little tongue in cheek and the, I, I don't know if a movie like this that has such a raw, real kind of like, you know, slow boil fear to it needs a lot of tongue in cheek moments or, or cutesy moments, but it did feel like that to me. It, it felt like it was just a moment that he wanted to be playful with the film inside the film. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it probably could have stood to, to not be there, but um, I, you know what it felt like to me? I don't know if you've ever seen this movie behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Have you ever seen that film? No, no. It's 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 a mockumentary essentially um, about the rise of a new slasher, and there's a documentary filmmaker, a young girl who's sort of the final girl, who's who's filming his rise to stardom as a new Freddy or Jason, and it's really funny. It's all made for laughs, and but there are those cut in moments, especially in the third act of the movie, where it goes from this funny mockumentary to a real slasher and it just kind of goes back and forth like that. And maybe it's a nod to sort of that kind of framing in a movie that Ty West is like, I'm going to show you the real frame here and then I'm going to go back to my movie. You know, it worked really well in behind the mask going from a a film to another kind of film um, with a weird cut like that. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think it probably could have been left out. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend this movie. I would maybe, I, I wouldn't recommend it to just everybody just because of some of the content in it, especially, you know, yeah. uh, the porn aspects of it, even <laughs> though I think it's uh, adding a lot of commentary uh, to things. But uh, I mean, in the echelon of horror movies, where, where does it stand for you? Where, how, how do you recommend this to somebody? Yeah, I I would recommend it for dedicated horror enthusiasts who want to be able to pick apart a really intelligent movie, um, who are there for the gore, right? I mean, it's it's kind of hand delivered to to horror enthusiasts already. Um, I think any messaging um, that he wants to convey to someone who's not a horror aficionado, probably they are not going to accept this kind of movie, right? They're right. They're probably if if they're if they're not a horror fan already, they're probably running from just the title of this movie, thinking it's just going to be another. You know, I mentioned the word sexploitation before. They're probably mm-hmm. just thinking that oh, that's just a sleazy movie with with guts in it. Um, so, but they are missing out. I will. I would tell that person who would run from a film like this if you can handle the. The, the the more sort of adult content or the the framing of the adult content in this and also the levels of gore that it has i think you could walk away learning something new and just kind of like seeing a filmmaker at almost his best um mm-hmm. you know so that that's what i would i think that would be my sales pitch watch it just for the art of it and just for the framing of the narrative um you know, because there there's some really, really cool things that it is saying in a really neat way. Yeah. Um, so that that's why I think it's a brilliant movie. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so uh before <laughs> but before we end the conversation, I just uh in the intro I just uh, I really I haven't obviously read your new book, but I loved your legend of the lost causes series um so people that are interested in that book your future books like where can where can they find you oh appreciate that man um well you know the the legends of the lost causes trilogy um you know you can you can order them through any bookstore amazon you can pretty much get them you know wherever books are sold uh our new one i I write with a partner lewis sylvester he's up in idaho and our new one's called The Crooked Door, and it is um, going to be published in April of 2023, April 11th, 2023. So uh, we still have a little bit of a, of a wait on that one, but it's going to be going up for pre-sale very soon. I think pre-order links are currently in the oven getting baked. 
<laughs> and um, you know, we're we're starting to see some early reviews come in, and they're all really great so far. So we're feeling hopeful. Um, probably in the fall, I think we're going to start getting trade reviews come in from trade magazines and journals. Um, hopefully, and then you know we'll be gearing up for you know early winter twenty twenty three. At which point, I'm really hoping everybody will get in there and pre-order, um, you know, and just kind of help two dudes out, you know, two guys who met in a small town in Oklahoma, uh, just trying to make our way, you know, through life, selling books to kids, <laughs> trying to scare kids. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, uh, is but yeah, we're Is this one for young it. adults as well? Is the Crooked Door it for is young for adults upper as middle, well? Uh, what I would call upper middle graders. Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not YA per se, but it is. Um, more, I would say, you know, ages nine through 14. Um, and a lot of, and some of the reviewers that I'm seeing now coming out, talking about it or talking about how, yes, it is a little bit too intense for younger readers. It's a little scary. So maybe older middle graders would be appropriate. So that's, that's really okay. the audience we're after. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we would call them upper middle graders. Yeah. But you know, so big kids like yourself, Nathan can read it and really enjoy it. <laughs> so basically kids that are intrigued by 80s VHS horror movie covers, this is appropriate <laughs> yeah. for them. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Cro- Crooked Door, uh, the fun little piece of trivia about that really quick. The Crooked Door actually has some little age-appropriate hints and nods and winks to the Children of the Corn. Oh. Um and only true horror aficionados of Children of the Corn and Stephen King will see those when they read the book. So nice. uh, go polish up on your Children of the Corn and then read our book and, <laughs> and tell us what all of our, where all of our illusions are located. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that, that's a great, that, that's a great tease. So, uh, yeah. Well, awesome, man. <laughs> well, uh, th- thanks so much. Thanks for uh, staying up past your bedtime and um, we'll have to do this again I'm sometime tired, soon. Man. Yeah, let's do. Let's do. I've had a, I've had so much fun. Yeah, I, I got to go pass out. It's nine thirty. You know, I'm I'm an old man now, Nathan. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, dude. I've I've really missed talking movies with you, and I can't wait to do it again. Okay, are you grossed out yet? You think you're going to go back to church now and confess your sins? It, it was so fun to talk to Brad. I always love hearing what he has to say about movies, especially scary ones. So I really appreciate him coming on today's show. Do you have thoughts or questions? Remember, you can email us at any time at moviesarelifepod at gmail.com. Want to read my review of X? It's on our website, moviesarelife.com. Go up there, read the review of X. You can even listen to past episodes. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. It helps other people find us and join in on the conversation. As far as next week, there's no crying in baseball. Next week, we will be talking about the beloved sports film, A League of Their Own. The film, believe it or not, will be celebrating its 30th anniversary this July. And there's also an Amazon series coming out based on the material. So I thought it would be a perfect time to talk about this film. Especially debate whether or not Dottie dropped the ball on accident or on purpose. I'll save my thoughts for next episode, but as a teaser, I usually favor the unpopular opinion. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week.